Several times throughout the Gospels, Jesus uses the words, follow me. It's an invitation, it's a royal summons, which if accepted, changes everything. It's an invitation which has already changed the course of history. Let me just name a few who have answered this call. William Wilberforce followed Jesus into a revolution called love, in which he raised public awareness about the evil of slavery. He did this with the hard work of producing pamphlets, organising protests and political engagement. In, in 1833, the House of Commons voted to free slaves across the British Empire. In the 19th century, former slave Harriet Truman followed Jesus and embarked on a conspiracy of compassion. Knowing her identity in Christ, Harriet challenged the oppressive exploitation of slave plantations and brought freedom to 300 slaves. Catherine Booth and Desmond Tutu Join this cloud of witnesses and follow this pattern of kingdom insurgency as they spoke out in the case of Catherine Booth against Victorian exploitation, in the case of Desmond Tutu against apartheid and segregation. The world which changed because of their, their faith was put into action. Many within the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King followed Jesus by dreaming a dream, a kingdom dream in which people would be judged not by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. In following Jesus, they took action, protested, broke the law, boycotted, organised, trained others, suffered, they were abused. They were victims of police brutality. They were stabbed and shot. Yet this following of Jesus delivered results. It changed the system and created fresh possibilities that were in line with both justice and mercy. Martin Luther King said this. He said, justice is what love looks like in public. That's why as followers of Jesus we are people of love but we're also to be known and to be seen as justice people. Cornell West, not to be confused with Kanye West. <laughs> Cornell West, the activist and theologian, he added to what Martin Luther King, so Martin Luther King said justice is what love looks like in public. And Cornel West added this line, and tenderness is what love looks like in private. And how we are called not only to be public people who are just disshaped, but to be tender and kind in private to those wounded by life. And in this room, you might have already picked this up, maybe meeting new people, chatting, seeing what people are doing. There are those who follow Jesus in both public and private. 
in justice, in tenderness and compassion. In this room, there are those who have committed themselves to providing food for the hungry, for those who in this country are malnourished. In this room, those who have committed themselves to bring hope to the traumatised. That comes at a cost. Those in this room have committed themselves following Jesus to bring blessing to those who think that they are cursed. Those in this room who are providing welcome for the excluded, for the refugee and the asylum seeker. It's the call of Jesus which in 2014 brought about the beautiful and wonderful and exhausting community of Lighthouse. And this invitation from Jesus, follow me, even in our winter of austerity and pain, holds the possibility and the potential when led by the Spirit of God to cause justice and kindness to permeate our hearts. Permeate your hearts. Permeate my heart. And for justice and kindness to permeate our communities, our towns and cities, and even this nation. This invitation from Jesus, follow me, is one in which the old way of life is left behind. And Jesus, just Jesus, becomes our compass and becomes our guide. You see Jesus, our friend and our king. He still speaks and says the words, follow me. And in response to this call, as we hear his voice and we respond in faith and action, we become followers of Jesus. You can't be a follower of Jesus without following Jesus. You can't be a follower of Jesus without following Jesus. Means putting Jesus at the centre, a call to be formed and shaped by Rabbi Jesus so that we can look and love like him in our own context. So let me talk you through a few examples from the Gospels where Jesus is using the language of follow me. The first passage we'll get to in a few moments needs a bit of a preamble. So we've had the intro, now it's a preamble. In the opening chapters of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus had uh, uh, just began his public ministry. He had been baptised and commissioned by the Father. This is my son, whom I love, and you, I am well pleased. And then Jesus is indwelt by the Spirit of God. He's commissioned by the Father. He then ends up in the wilderness, because that's what sometimes happens. Even those indwelt by the Spirit of God go into the wilderness. He's tempted. And he does battle with the evil one, Satan. But after that, Jesus begins announcing that the reign of God has come. That the kingdom of God is at hand. That the government and goodness of God is at work to set the world to rights. 
Jesus is saying that what God had promised he would always do, he is now doing. Jesus was saying that now, the final act of history, in which we will see reconciliation and recovery for a troubled and traumatised world, has now broken into the present. Jesus was announcing and enacting the kingdom. Talking about it and then demonstrating it. It was sure and tell. But also he was centering it on himself. You see, Jesus is the game changer. He's the story maker. He's the hope bringer. He's the gateway to the kingdom. Origin of Alexandria, who lived many, many years ago. He said that Jesus is the Altau Basilia. He's the kingdom himself. In a world of violence, oppression, sin and injustice, Jesus is saying a new day is dawned. Now we know this, but we also need to know it again. And in our own world of war in Ukraine, climate breakdown, and increased deprivation and destitution in our own communities. The kingdom dream focused around King Jesus offers a beauty, a hope and a power that can change the world. We're still in preamble, but I just want to get excited about the kingdom which Jesus is bringing. Jesus inaugurates, he embodies and he enacts the kingdom, a kingdom which will one day be consummated in the reconciliation of all things. A kingdom which presses into the present, which brings peace to those who are in distress, comfort to those who are grieving, forgiveness, it's available to those who are racked with guilt and shame. A kingdom of healing in which those battered and bruised by the storms of life can know comfort for their wounds. A kingdom of non-violent love, which embraces the pain of the world and stands fast against the forces of oppression and domination. A kingdom of shalom, of flourishing, which stands against injustice. A kingdom which offers a community, a community of hope to those who suffer the emptiness of loneliness. A kingdom of justice which stands up for the powerless, speaks truth to the powerful, and stands and remains by the weak. And so we are invited to collaborate and participate as followers of this kingdom in this holy rebellion and conspiracy of compassion. Preamble over. First text, Matthew 4, verse 18. Yep. Uh, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus is inviting Peter and Andrew to follow him. And to follow Jesus 
is to go the way of the kingdom. To follow Jesus is to embrace the kingdom. But also note, to follow Jesus comes at a cost. It did for Peter and Andrew. It still does. Peter and Andrew left their employment, their family. They embraced a downward mobility in terms of status, identity and financial security. Jesus is clear elsewhere that to follow him is to embark on the path of suffering. To follow Jesus is to suffer. And Jesus said this, if anyone wants to come after me, let him be comfortable all the time. Let him put himself first. No. Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Little did Peter and Andrew know that on that day when they left their nets, the true extent of the cost of the kingdom. 30 or so years after, church tradition tells us they were, they were crucified. Andrew in Greece and Peter in Rome. Was it worth it? Well, in following Jesus, they would be with Jesus. With the kindest person who's ever walked this earth. And they'd be embodying the vision and values of the kingdom. They were now living a better story. And as fishers of men, they would be joining Jesus in the mission of the proclamation of the kingdom. They would be labouring with Jesus to encourage a response from those who were listening. Thus enabling others to join the kingdom. A few chapters later in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus coming to Matthew, a tax collector. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And there's our words again, isn't it? Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. Let's just say a few points about Matthew. He's a tax collector. He works in the administrative wing of the Roman Empire. The Romans were an occupying force who used local collaborators to tax ordinary people. In the time of Jesus, many were living in poverty And the vast amount of wealth was in the hands of a few. That sounds awfully familiar. A wealth that was used to line the pockets of the elite of empire. And also to further the aims of Rome. Rome offered peace, stability and protection. But was built on the backs of slaves and at the edge of the sword. The tax collectors, they were known not only for supporting the empire, but also for lining their pockets while they were doing it. That also sounds familiar. Perhaps Matthew felt trapped in this system of exploitation, or he didn't think much about it. You know, 
Well, how does Jesus respond? He doesn't attack Matthew, doesn't reject him, doesn't oppose him, but he invites him. Follow me. And that invitation is one for Matthew to disentangle himself from the system that he's a part of and embrace a new story with new possibilities. To say yes to Jesus is to say no to being a mouthpiece or aid to forces of domination. To follow Jesus is to move away from systems and structures of domination. Matthew is given a new imagination, a new hope, whereby those peddling economic exploitation can repent and walk a different way. A way in which divine favour rests on the poor. Oh, poor. Uh, The outcast, the meek, the justice seeker and the peacemaker. We ourselves don't live within the Roman Empire, but we too live in a world of domination. As mentioned last night, the unholy trinity of consumerism, unrestrained capitalism and individualism are putting us on a road to existential ruin. Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, said this, that we are on the highway to climate hell with our foot on the accelerator. This unholy trinity has seduced us. It's silenced us in speaking against it. It's formed us and shaped our civilization, our culture to such an extent that it actually seems that we are willing to plunge ourselves further into climate hell because we cannot imagine a different way to live. Jesus invites us into a different story saying, follow me. Another point that can be raised about Matthew, he's a tax collector, which means that he is marginalised. He's a social outcast amongst his peers, a traitor to the growing nationalism of his day. If you were going to design a synagogue mission action plan, you wouldn't necessarily have Matthew as one of the, the targets of your outreach. Well, what would other synagogues think? What if he brings his friends? Well, a few verses later, Jesus is socialising with tax collectors and sinners. This wound up the religious elites and the religious gatekeepers. But Jesus responds, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus invites the broken. He invites the marginalised. Invites the sinner to follow him. Jesus has a bias towards the marginalised. And he calls us to the same. To follow Jesus is to embrace those on the margins. 
I want us to turn to a couple of other passages in closing which pick up the phrase, follow me. In Matthew 19, a young professional runs up to Jesus and asks, what good must I do to enter eternal life? And another way of saying this is that the young man was asking, how can I be a part of this coming kingdom? Jesus says that to enter the kingdom, you must keep the commandments. And the man begins to tick off his ethical checklist. He doesn't steal. He doesn't lie. He doesn't commit adultery. But Jesus cuts through this ethical checklist and gets to the heart of the manner. Jesus invites this man to sell all he has and give it to the poor and follow me. The young man is rich. It's perhaps hoarding and accumulating wealth at the expense of the poor. And perhaps economic self-interest is the single biggest obstacle for Christians perhaps particularly in the Western world, the single biggest obstacle for embracing fully the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to untangle yourself from the economic systems of your age. To follow Jesus means being willing to share our time, our treasure, and our talents with others. This economic aspect of Jesus' ministry, uncomfortable as it is, is part of his kingdom mission. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to me and it's a challenge to you and it's a challenge to our Christian communities. Well, let's look at one last passage as I close, which, in fact, Livy, do you want to come up and uh, we'll sort of hear this a bit in a meditative fashion, so you might want to either make up a tune or play what we're going to sing in a second. Thank you. Uh, one last passage is a close in which Jesus says that those who follow him will partake in eternal life. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And Jesus says this. My sheep hear my voice And I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And Jesus is still speaking. And he says to me, and he says to you, 
follow me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to... Sorry, Katie, you're telling me something there. I'm not very good at the sign language. You're telling me to keep preaching, was that? Keep preaching. So my second point, that was, that was just a preamble. You just spoiled the moment here, Katie. What was that about? Thank you, yes. So we're, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together as part of our allegiance to Jesus, singing, uh, singing our prayers out. Thank you, Livy, on a prayer.